Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, a very warm welcome to this month's Lord's Podcast. Joining me today, we have former England fast bowler Alex Tudor and cricket writer Andrew Miller. Welcome both. Morning. Morning, morning. Keeping well? Bloody marvellous. Beautiful day. (laughs) (laughs) You always tell cricket season started, can't you? When it's raining outside. (laughs) Lovely. Now, as ever, there's plenty to discuss as we're just a few days away from the opening test of the summer between England and New Zealand here at Lords. We'll preview that match, mull over the latest Kevin Peterson fallout, discuss who may be the new England coach following Peter Moores' sacking, and I'll put my co-hosts to the test with the podcast quiz. But first, I'd like to take some questions that we've received on Twitter for Alex under the hashtag AskTudes. Um, Alex, first one comes from Narayan Shastri. I hope I yeah. pronounced that correctly. Yeah. Looking back at your 99 not out test score, what do you feel about it 16 years down the line? And just to add to that, Neil Matthews has said, have you forgiven Graham Thorpe yet? Oh, jeez. Um, right, OK, I, it's a question I get asked a lot. Um, let me just sort of take people back. I was um, very fresh-faced, 21-year-old. I'd gone to the Ashes, come back. We had a minging... World Cup, we didn't even um, get to the qualifying stages yet again. And um, obviously, David Lloyd was coach, got sacked. Alex Stewart was captain, got sacked. So it was Nasser Hussain's first game as captain. Um, Graham Gooch sort of stepped in and doing what Paul Farbrace will be doing on Thursday here at Lords. And it was, you know, Edge Baston back in the day, it was always very eventful wicket, went a bit up and down. And uh, it was... Yeah, just go out there, enjoy myself on a Saturday afternoon, and um, everything went my way. Four piece strolled out when I was about eighty, and he said, "Look, oh, dude, this is what it's about." Crowd shouting my name; it was brilliant. And I said, "Look, four P, don't mess around. The wicket's doing all sorts. We've got a debutant and have to have a B. Ramps didn't get none in the first innings. Then you're going into Chris Reed, who was also in debut." We don't want to be in a stage when we've got to chase 30 and, you know, and all hell breaks loose. I thought, look, just if it's there to hit, hit it. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. But what people got to realise is that um, Stephen Femmer, as a captain, did not want me to get 100. So he started putting people behind square. So there was no in front of square when four people was batting. So punches for one or two were ended up going for three. And we ran three. And, um, yeah, I, at the end, I needed to try and hit a six to get to 100. Um, didn't happen. But 99 not out. Um, have absolutely no regrets 16 years down the line or you know a few years on it's very frustrating that I wasn't able to register a, a, a test 100 for your country which not a lot of people have done it would have been nice to do it I know four people say he's written his book that you know it's one of his regrets that he didn't he wasn't able to get it my dad and his West Indian mates thinks there's a conspiracy theory and all sorts of stuff why it didn't happen I remember getting stopped in just by Batsy Dogs home by a big ruster man he Okay, pulled up beside me. He's like, wind on your car, wind on your car. I was like, oh God, okay, it's all going to kick off here. I said, what's up? Man, that fop! He was, like, was upset. It was like 10 years. I said, mate, let it go. You know what I mean? Just let it go. But there is still, it'll, people get upset about it. And I'm like, look, you know, we won the game. I suppose I was better known for it. You know, 99 not out and, and you move on. But um, I remember going back to Derby on the Sunday. We had a Sunday league game. A few of the other lads didn't feel, feel like to play Alex Stewart, Mark, um, Mark Butcher and they decided to have the game off. Me being young, loving playing for sorry, I went back and uh first thing Bickers said to me, he goes, Yeah, I've got what I've got what you got. And I went, well, he goes, Yeah, Test fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and it just brought you back down to a very quickly, and that's how our change room was back then. It was brilliant and um it was good. I have no regrets and uh, me and Forby have a laugh about it now. 
Good stuff. Um, do you find it odd, maybe, as a fast bowler, that you are remembered for, um, for an innings? Yeah, well, a bit like Rance is remembered not for anything of his 25 years of cricket and everyone remembers him as a dancer. So <laughs> no, one, no one sort of think and remembers that I, I used to be able to bowl a little bit. But um, yeah, everyone sort of harps on about 99 and um, I, I just keep reminding them I was 100 odd not out in the test match but I got 32 not out in the first innings. Hence why NASA threw me in there as night watchman because no one had got none in the first innings. He looked around, changed room, went, Chude, you got some right, you're in. And that was it. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'll do it. And that's how he went down. Lovely, great answer. Um, the next question comes in from Annie. She says, how long before a Steve Davis recall by England? He's been super, batting without fear. Yeah, um, you know, I think, what was it? I think he made a decision early last year that he wanted to pack in the belt on um, the keeping. Um, he just wanted to concentrate on his batting. I mean, he's a very elegant player and left-handers, for some reason, just tend to be more elegant than the right-handers. And he was always a fine player, Um very destructive, especially in the one-day format, but he's taken his one-day form into the four-day form. And you will have to look. Um, definitely, he's um, up there in leading run scorers. I think him being around, obviously, when Kevin played, and obviously, with Kumar Sankar, who's an absolute legend and a top bloke, he's only going to get better. Um, so, yes, the England selectors um, will definitely have to look at him, and, and it's definitely an option, especially in our one-day game because we're looking for that sort of expansive player he, he is definitely one that could be thrown in there I think it's such an important thing as well there are so many players now sort of starting to take that 2020 one day form into four day cricket mm. which I think is, is the is the way that test cricket's going I mean look at David Warner and co yeah. I mean look at Brenda Saywag years ago he was showing this is the way forward for you know it's been yeah. 10 years I think England have got to pick up on you know the Alex Hales of this world and Steve Davis it, it's, it's the way the game's headed yeah definitely Certainly, we'll come on to England very shortly. Uh, next question on hashtag AskTudes from Daniel Alexander. Which Sri Lankan test players would you have in your all-time test 11? Oh, jeez. Um, well, I suppose when I first started, Aravinda, for me, was an absolute class player. Um, I, well, not that I played against him. I sort of 12th man and he got some runs down um, against us down at Canterbury. It was just elegant. I um, remember he got that hundred here against Lancashire, which was breathtaking. So he would he would be there, but I suppose Kumar just for what he's done, he's just come in and he's oh, you know with the weighted pressure him and Mahela have been on the, to score the bulk of the runs, and they do it you know not just in their country because normally with the subcontinent they're like well they struggle in England, they struggle in Australia, well these two don't, and um, they score very heavily. Their record will tell you so. Um, and also you can throw him in there with keeping. But I know obviously, you know, everyone, if you talk about a world eleven, you would have to throw Gilchrist in there as well. But for me, Kumar, because he'll bat higher. And you most probably, I suppose, with any of those two, you'll be able to get in an extra bowler. Next question from Spencer Women's Cricket Club. If you could have played with one player, past or present, who would it be? Wow. Um, growing up in a West Indian home, um, and, and watching the greats in the late, well, not so much in the 70s, I was born in 77, but in the early 80s, um, I was a, Malcolm Marshall was my hero, um, and I was, I was able to meet him, talk to him, and, and stuff like that, so that was an honour. Um, Michael Holden, people like that. So I suppose Malcolm Marshall, just to see him just operate and see how he goes about it. He's a little bit, I call Jimmy Anderson the sort of English version of Malcolm Marshall, just because what he's able to do with the ball and um, just how he works out batsmen and stuff like that is it's not just fast bowling running and bowling around the neck it's you know 
assessing the batsman, what's his what's his weakness, and then them and then those type of bowlers making the most of it. So for me, Malcolm Marshall. If you don't mind me asking, what did you and what did you talk about when you met him? Was it cricket or? Oh yeah, yeah, he was a cricket badger. <laughs> Absolutely, I remember it was myself and Chris Lewis. We was on the balcony at Guildford, and um, he just he just spoke about cricket. And I I always I'm, I don't know how many of the young guys do that now, but whenever I was in the presence of an ex-player or someone who played a game at highest level, done well, I always wanted to pick their brain. And I don't know if the young guys in this modern era do that. Um, I, I don't know if they do sit down if they're playing against them. Maybe a Kumar now. Do the opposition players sort of at the end of the game sort of yeah. go in there and pick his brain? How does he go about it? You know, I'm sure you know the normal adage of hard work and stuff like that will come into it. But I, I, I do like being around. That's why I sort of unfortunate now with the PCA Masters and and with, and with Lashings that I get to sort of be in the same room with these guys and I just sit down and listen to. Them. Things in the past and stuff. I absolutely love it. And you're coaching now, aren't you? That's your yeah, yeah. Enjoy coaching and and all oh, what I've learned with the great players that I've played with and against. I just try and pass that knowledge on to the young kids now. And yeah, seem to have a good rapport with them and stuff. I don't know if six or five helps, but uh, <laughs> I don't seem to get any problems. But uh, no, it's brilliant, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, the next question is is about coaching. It's from uh, Lennox uh, Blythe Watley. My 10-year-old son is a budding fast bowler. What advice would you give him to improve his speed? Um, an old coach of mine. Um, I, I, it's, it, the thing with bowling, I find with coaching bowling, it's sometimes you either have or you haven't. And um, it's just so unnatural. And sometimes you can see someone and they just get it and they just have it. But generally, it's you just got to want it. You just I remember my dad always saying to me, you know, you've got to imagine you're going to explode a ball on the, on the length, you just want to bowl it hard as fast as you can. You just got to bowl it as fast as you can. Don't really worry about where it's going at that age because that you can work with later. It's the pace that you can't teach, and it's it's just doing the things that I suppose is not easy, but just do a lot of maybe resistant band work. Not about obviously he's very young, so I would never encourage people going to the gym or anything like that. But just keep doing your sit ups and stuff like. That. If I was to sort of go back. I remember meeting Dennis Lilly and he was just saying, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day, just crunch them out, just do sit-ups and push-ups because your torso, your lower half is what takes all the hard work. Um, so you're going to have to put it in. So I'd always say to young kids now, make sure you do your sit-ups, your push-ups, band resistance work and, and, and just get that ball down there as quick as you can. Well, hopefully maybe Lennox's son will do that when he's a little bit older. Crunching out the sit-ups at nah, 10. No, ten, no, no, no. I'll tell you, with the kids now, that's what I do. You know, if they do it, we do. We have this sort of like a forfeit. Yeah. And um, either I do them All right. or they do them. And, uh, you know, because of the modern age now, everything's computer and, you know, the guys are very good at computers and people talk about obesity and that now. So it's, you know, a 10-year-old should be able to do push-ups and sit-ups sounds like my sadistic PE teacher <laughs> <laughs> I'm not evil people trust me <laughs> I told you I'm old school <laughs> and final question under hashtag AskTudes it comes from Govinda Singh your favourite moment in cricket that's a big question there um, I've been fortunate I would say as a young lad you, you watch the TV you see all the greats playing and you one day want to want to be a part of that and so I say making my debut in Perth because it happened a lot sooner than I thought it was going to and um, just playing with people that I watched on the TV don't want to make Stewie and that sound old but he is and um, <laughs> playing with guys that I grew up watching when I was at school and then being in the same side of them was a 
pinch yourself moment and um, playing against that Aussie side was phenomenal with the War Brothers and Ponting and Mark Taylor and stuff like that it was something that you dream about but I had done it so I'll say that moment Great stuff Andrew um, I'll ask the same question to you actually what's your what's your favourite moment in cricket? Gosh I don't, I don't know <laughs> many, to, many, many to fall back on <laughs> Well, maybe as a viewer as, as well, a, as, as a, a viewer. journalist watching, what, what moment? Well, the, the first moment that really stood out for me was, was right here in 1990, Gucci's 3-3-3. That was kind of the first, the first time I really sort of clocked in to think, wow, this, this is a pretty mm. awesome sport. I mean, it wasn't, just the ma- it wasn't just that innings, it was that match. That whole match was just incredible. The, mm. You know, the, 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 the reply, the, the four sixes to save the follow-on. The <laughs> yeah. Gucci himself getting getting three wickets in the second innings. He never bloody got any wickets in his life. And suddenly he's getting wickets and running people out to win the game. <laughs> it just, yeah, everything just fell into place in terms of a, a spectacle for that match. So um, that's probably the one that really stands out for me. Mm. Lovely. In just a moment's time, we're going to talk about Kevin Peterson. But um, whilst you're mentioning the Ashes there, Alex, I'd like to talk, talk about your Ashes memories. Yep. Because you, you were part of the um, the 2001 side, which unfortunately lost to Australia, but it was quite a tough Australian side to play, one of the greatest cricket sides ever. What, what are your memories from that series? Um, I remember getting the call-up uh, and then played at, uh, it was Trent Bridge, and uh, Nasser had done his hand yet again. Um, so Mike Atherton stepped in as captain. I had a slight little niggle before the game, I had to go and see the physio and stuff like that. And I remember Mike just sort of in the middle, we had a little chat. And he just said, look, you know your body now. Will you be able to get through five days? And I said, yes. And he went, that's good enough for me. Then played. And then as I said, you know, oh, good first innings. Got five got five wickets. Got a couple, I think, in the second. Um, but we ended up losing. Um, you know, Gillespie, I think he got five for as well. Bowled well, very good bowler. Shane Warne. Yet again, um, and then they and then they knocked off chasing 130 odd, I think it was in the second innings. But um, and then we went up to Headingley, where Mark Butcher obviously got that 170 odd, where Gilchrist was captain, and you know he gave us that declaration. And yeah, it was just one of those days. Butch, everything he hit went to the boundary. Um, NASA batted very well with him, and uh, yeah, the scenes were absolutely phenomenal. But we just couldn't get over it, and I think Steve Wall got 100 it. Then he had the oval on one leg. <laughs> I remember him having a little pop about Forby, I think. About I think Forby had been injured or something. And he was like, ah, it takes more than that, you know, for me to not play a test match and all this. And he did it on one leg. And it was sort of touch and go whether he was going to play or not. And Steve Warby and Steve Wall, um, you know, went out there and got 100, which was phenomenal. So, yeah, you know, we've, we've had some ups and downs when I played. I mean, in on my first tour where it was 2-1 after we came back at Melbourne, got to Sydney, the run-out fiasco, um, where we had Slater out. He was out. He was basically walking halfway back to the pavilion. I think Daryl Harper was on the video as a third umpire. But I think um, either Peter Such was obscuring the sort of um, the line, the crease line, and he couldn't give it out. Went to the batsman. He ended up smashing 100 out of only 200-odd. So he made the difference, and then obviously we got McGill in the second inning. So I don't think it would have made a difference. To be fair, he got sixteen, I think, in the game. But um, yeah, just that moment, and it could have been two-two, and against a very, very good Australian um, team. Um, you know, I think the confidence we'd have got from that moving forward would have been absolutely phenomenal. But uh, it wasn't to be. We ended up losing three-one. But um, I think we could have held our hell, head held high after that series. That was one of the greatest travesties I've ever witnessed. 
I'm fairly sure it was Simon Torfel. I've never forgiven him. Simon Torfel. <laughs> never forgiven him for it. He was very fresh face yeah. back then, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was, only, he was yeah. only about 30. He was a yeah. real whippersnapper. And, um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Alec was not happy. No. I tell you. It was at one stage, I think he was, he was going to threaten to bring us off. It was <laughs> really? that bad. Yeah, it was just that. Sometimes in sport, you have, that, that you have those moments where you think, this can be it. We're into them. You know, um, Dino was bowling very well. Um, Goffey was doing what he normally does and just steaming in for us. And um, it just made a massive difference. And obviously with that lifeline, the way Slater plays, it just gave him a whole new thing. Oh, well, it's got to be with me today. And he just teed off as he did. And he got 100 very quickly. We did rattle him out because obviously Goffey came and got that hat-trick, which was phenomenal. And then, as I said, you know, we we made a bit with a pig's ear of it in the second dig but McGill was absolutely brilliant and, um, and bowled us down but it, could, it was just the, those little one percenters make a huge difference and if we'd have got it as I said you know we bring it back to 2-2 two, two, we come back something like little not like heroes but it would have been a massive uplift because as you said we hadn't done that for a, a very long time Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, Australian captain Michael Clarke has waded into the Kevin Peterson saga over the weekend by declaring that England will be weaker without him. Clarke stated that Peterson's in the form of his career after the Surrey batsman scored 355 not out against Leicestershire. However, it was not enough for the ECB to change their stance on Peterson, with new director of cricket Andrew Strauss stating that Peterson will not be involved with England this summer due to trust issues seemingly ending his England career. Clark's comments aren't that surprising, considering he is the captain of the opposition in an Ashes <laughs> summer. But this is the, the, the latest in the, the ongoing Kevin Peterson saga story, whatever you want to call it. Um, Andrew, so, so where do you stand on it overall? Well, my, you know, in this saga, you are either with him or against him. There's no, there's no option. You can't be on the fence in this saga. And therefore, I'm with KP. You, you have to pick your side, and I'm with KP. But I'm with KP not because I particularly think that he should be back in the team I think he should be he should have a right to be in the frame but whether the whether he has a right to walk straight back in the team I'm not so sure because to be fair that middle order is is quite strong quite settled and looking to the future so you know they, they have all the rights to protect their positions and have first dibs this summer I've got no problem with that yeah. but what I do have a problem with is the notion that you can say to a guy who has scored 355 not out we aren't even going to think about you yeah. that is just wrong to me that is it's wrong for so many reasons Largely because it's an insult to the fans, and that's the biggest concern for me. It's not about KP. KP has been there, done that. He'll be, he'll be a noise for the rest of his career. Who, who really cares about KP in, in an individual sense? What does matter, though, is the fans. If the fans don't believe that England are picking the best players available, they lose faith in the format. And if they lose faith in Test cricket as the pinnacle of sport, pinnacle of, of cricket... Um, what's the point of watching it? That, that's, that's my concern. I think England have really got to think carefully about their, their, their PR battle because they've been beaten every step of the way in this yeah. one. Yeah, I, I back um, Andrew up there, everything he said. We, we have to sort of get past the Kevin Peterson sort of as an individual and 
just, as we said, it's the public. For me, it's the public that I'm missing out. As you say, it's been a schmozzle World Cup. Um, we were supposed to go to the West Indies and dominate them. That didn't happen. So all of a sudden, they want to have the best 11 out there. By all accounts, Kevin was told, he was you know, no reassurances, but he was told, look, come back, you know, give up your IPL contract, come back, find a county, score runs. He's done all that above, he's done all that. To shut the door, just plainly before it's even started, just say, look, we're just not even thinking about you, I think is a massive mistake. As Andrew says, it wasn't a case of, right, 3-5-5, he plays the first game here. That was never going to happen. But I think if you say, well, it's going to be a very hard summer, there's some very fast bowlers bowling, someone can get a broken hand, someone could get injured. If you carry on getting runs, then you're going to be in a shake-up. Because as you say, 3-4-5 is gone. You've got Balance, you've got Bell, you've got Root. I mean, they deserve to play. That's not going to go. Kevin's not going to be a test opener. So that's not even an argument. But to shut the door so quickly, I think, is a massive mistake. And my worry is, is that now for these young batsmen, is every time they get a low score, it's going to be a media circus. It's going to be everyone. And if Kevin's away um, in the CPL or wherever any scoring runs, everyone's going to say, well, this is a joke. What's he doing in West Indies? He should be wherever the game's going on at the time. And it just heats on massive pressure. And it just didn't need to be that way. My whole thing with the trust issue is, okay, that's fine, but can we know as a public who is it that doesn't trust him? Because a lot of the personnel has now changed. The coach has changed. Um, the individual players that he had a problem with have changed. Um, the only three that I see that are in there is obviously the captain Cook, Broad and Anderson. They're the only ones that have played with him. All the rest are fresh, haven't played with KP. And I'm sure a lot of them would love him in the side or around the side. Um, so I, you know, is it a personal thing between, you know, Strauss and, and, and KP? By all accounts, you know, the media been coming out and saying, um, you know, an ultimatum by us to Cook sort of said, well, if it's him, I'm gone. And you get into that stage, it's just, it's just getting beyond the joke now. And as I said, it's the, the public, the paying public, and as we know, the tickets are not cheap, um, that are missing out. So I just hope, starting on Thursday, that the guys can just, get together and galvanise the summer because it can go pear-shaped very, very quickly. And then the worry is, will people start to stay away from the game, which which is my biggest worry. It does seem, though, now with Strauss's comments that Kevin Peterson will not play this summer. And then after that, does the Kevin Peterson story sort of start to end? Because then he's 35, 36. Do you know what I mean? There's... Kevin Peterson's story will yeah. never end. Well, it, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's even, even when he's 50 or 60, they'll be... The Kevin Peterson story will never end because Kevin Peterson has absolutely bossed the story. That's the trouble. He is the story. He knows he's a story. And it's, it's the root of why he's a story is why the England team object to it so much because it's not about the individual. It should be about the team. We all accept the principle that they're trying to trying to put forward. The trouble is, it's been drowned out by the nonsense that goes in protecting that principle. You cannot single out an individual and say that no individual is greater than the game, and then say that well, actually, everything that's wrong with the with the game is an individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So you've got you've got to you've got to just be consistent in your messages. If if you if you don't want KP to be treated differently, don't treat him differently. And um, until England accept that you know he's just a, he's a significantly big big cheese a bigger cheese unfortunately yeah. because of the profile he's been able to get from yeah. the history he's created until they my, accept that he's such a big cheese they can't move on yeah my, my whole thing was with it is 
Once the massive individuals that were able to keep him in check left the side, so you're talking about your Flintoff, your Harmison, your Hoggard, Giles, Jones, those type of characters able to pull him in. Once they went, KP became the biggest cheese in the changing room and a lot of them weren't able to keep him in check. Um, and for me, that's when the management have to step in. And I think, while they, obviously, during that time, we became number one, the team were doing very well, so everyone lets things slide. Yeah. It's when we got that mauling in, in Australia that obviously the wheels come off, and when you have a maverick, everyone looks at maverick, well, he's the problem, let's get rid of him. And I think that was unfair. Um, for me, that's where man management skills come in, and if you see that someone's sort of getting out of line, you pull them all in, they're all grown men, crack their heads together and say, look, sort it out, look, you don't have to be best friends, you don't have to go out for food, you don't have to go to cinema, but once we cross that white line, we're fighting the same cause, we want to win, want to, you know, make the public proud, make you proud, you know, yourself proud and your parents proud, and you go out there and do the job. And I, I just don't, you know, Kevin's matured now, like, everyone's made mistakes. A lot of the stuff that he did was earlier on, he's now got a child and all that type of thing, he wouldn't want to see his son see the bad press going to go when he goes to school you want to want that so he's matured a lot and as I said who, who has the problem now with KP within the ECB we don't know it's just thrown out there and you know when the interviews were given us you know when he was you know when Andrew was speaking with Jonathan Agnew and all that he's like you know, when Jonathan asked him the question never really answered he says well you you've been around you know about it but as a someone who's listening is like well well tell us who it is we or what it is we don't know I think if everyone knew everything and all the cards were put out there then maybe the public might be a little bit more accepting but as we don't get any information it's, just, it's they're not happy have you because peterson's at your old county surrey at the moment yes. have you spoken with anyone yes. at surrey i speak i'm very good friend obviously alec is a, a legend and a, a very i'm lucky enough to call him a very close friend and i speak to Surrey a lot and i i um, even last year when kp was there the guy speak nothing but high praise of him. He's not a problem. He's gone in there. He's done masterclass with the boys, how to play spin and all this type of thing. He's been very good and um, never been late, turned up on time, no problems whatsoever. And as I said, he's moved on. KP's a more mature guy. As I said, when he was young and brash, he came to the side, he had the hair, he had all the <laughs> deals and everything like that. Yes, sometimes that can go to your head. When you get older and things have happened and everyone's done the book and everyone complains about the book, oh, he's not playing because of the book. I said, yeah, but why did the book first come about? Because he got sacked and he everything went on to him. So obviously, KP was not going to lie down and not let anything happen. He was going to have his say. And I've not seen any uh, cases or anyone going to court or anything. So a lot of what he put in his book, it must be true. Isn't it? I've not I've not read the book, but um, you know you get abstracts from it and stuff, and I haven't seen anyone sue him. Well, that is the that is the single biggest mistake that used to be made was was sticking sticking that culture of silence, slapping a slapping a, a confidentiality agreement across the entire summer last year when frankly there needed to be a bloodletting after an ash is that bad. Yeah. Something needed to come out. Say say what needs to be said in the public. Let the public decide and move on. Mm. And I'm sure the public would have moved on if if anyone had been open and honest. Instead. Yeah, we weren't allowed to talk about any of mm. the stuff that had gone on. KP wrote his book because he was, as you say, sacked out of the frame. And then suddenly the door is just held ajar. You can come back if you want. Yeah. He stormed through it. I mean, checkmate. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't blame KP for, for, for ambition. That's the one thing he's never lacked. No. Well, the other big thing to talk about at the moment is there's now a coaching vacancy at the ECB for the, for the head coach. Um, Peter Moores has been sacked. Uh, Andrew Giles has to 
uh, select a replacement. Uh, the front runners are Jason Gillespie and Justin Langer, according to the media. Yeah. Um, where do you two stand on on those characters or those two as coaches? And also, um, with Strauss saying that Kevin Peters is not in the side and giving Cook the backing as captain, doesn't that maybe make it slightly tougher for a coach to then come in Quite with a right. clean slate? Absolutely, it's 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 a it's a very dicey situation. I mean, um, I think I think um, Gillespie would be fantastic. I mean, he is a. A, he's an absolute legend. I mean, let's face it. He, yeah. I mean, choose to be able to back us up. I've never seen anyone who has a seam position as buzzsaw straight down the pitch. I mean, he knows his stuff. He's an absolute legend who can contribute with with mindset, contribute with skills, he contribute with all the things that maybe Peter Moore's when when push came to shove couldn't really give to the team in that in that same sort of I've been there done that way. So he would be a brilliant man to have on board. He speaks well. He's passionate. He's he's clearly done a great job at Yorkshire ticks every box except for two. One, the England team spends 300 days a year on the road and he's got four kids, I think, and he yes. really doesn't want to yeah. be away from home. So yeah. that's a big deal. And two, if England, if England are telling him, look, you've got all these skills that we want to have, but you know you can't have the most skilled batsman in the, in the country and your hands are tied because um, the, the captain is, is protected and essentially it's going to be the director of cricket who makes the big calls, yeah. why would you take it? I mean, I I wouldn't want to take a job that that constrained if I had all the credentials to do it in my own in my own in my own way. And you know, yeah. he's already come on, on come out saying saying a little bit of I'm not so sure anymore. Yeah. It's uh, I think they've, again they've they've made a they've they've made a straitjacket for themselves. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, didn't we have this problem last time um, when candidates went out and a lot of them were saying, well, I would want KP in the side, and they were told, well, no, and they went, well, because at the end of the day, it's if they do well, then obviously they have longevity. If they don't do well, they get sacked. And no coach goes into a job wanting to get sacked. So he wants the best side that he can pick from to go out there and perform. So it, you know, it looks good on him. So the same problem with Andrew is saying is, you know, if the likes of Justin Langer, which you know he has five kids, and uh, you know they're young, and is he going to leave all because by all accounts? He's sort of ready made to take over in Darren Lehman, who they say may do maybe 18 more months, and then he'll step straight in. So will he? And he's a passionate, passionate um, Australian, um, goes to bed in his baggy green. Is he <laughs> going to want to coach an England side to try and think a bit? I, I personally don't think so. Um, and Jason Gillespie, as you said, his hands are tied. If he takes a job, you can't pick your best batsman. So um, that's going to be the problem. And then you talk about the England candidates. Well, you know, you've got Mike Newell, then you're going to have the same problem that um, Peter Moore's had, never played at highest level. Mike Robinson down at Sussex has got a very good um, reputation, has done very well. Um, but is, will he want to leave? Because obviously, you know, you go into the the hotbed of, uh, you know, um, when you go as captain, as coach, everyone wants to know your business and everything like that. And does he want that? It seems quite a nice, chilled man and quite happy with what he's doing down at Sussex with a very good side and what he does with the ECB. So how many other candidates are there? Yeah. You know, and then the person who comes in, is he going to be a puppet? Is he going to be a yes man? Because as you say, he's just, he wants to take the job because it, let's not get it wrong. It's very rewarding. Um, and he, and he just wants to do it. And you know, you've got Andrew Shaw saying, right, you can't pick um, KP, Alistair Cook is boss, you know, so, uh, so I, I don't know who else. Who else there is yeah. apart from those two? Could Paul Farbrace maybe continue as but coach? Then, but then if you he does well. 
Well, yes, but then you're going to have the same problem where there are people, unfortunately, that say if you haven't played at the highest level, then you're, you know, I don't agree with those because of, yeah. you know, you don't have to play at the highest level to, but unfortunately, I think in modern, sometimes in football and, and within cricket, it's like, when you go through the door, as Andrew says, if Jason Guess we go through the door, straight away the guys think, geez, well, legend. You play at the highest level, 200 or test wickets, how many of the one-day wickets? We're going to hear what he says. He's speaking from experience. Is the other a, guys is, is that speak- a cricket thing, though? Because you mentioned football then, but if you look at football managers, most of the best football managers didn't actually play at the highest level. Well, they correct. played it to a decent level. So like Sir Alex Ferguson, yeah. Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Venger, Mourinho never played. Yeah, Venger. Venger. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but they have that built that reputation sort of going through... Um, the countries where they've played and stuff like that, so people go, oh, okay, they know their stuff. And Finger totally changed the way we as a um, nation think about, you know, your diet and all that. He brought all that in and, and stuff like that. So he's yeah. trying and to... And another thing I think a crucial difference is is the, because it's a squad mentality in football, it's about, it's more about man management in football, in my hmm. opinion. You, you, you've got to be able to recognise characters that you can mould, you can you can bring people in, you can sell them off if they don't work, which is what, you, you know, if, if Peter Moores was a football manager and said, you know what, I can't work with KP, that's fine, you bring in someone you can work with. The trouble is in England, you don't have that option, you have to work with what you're given. Yeah. And if you cannot work with the best players, the question is why not? It's it's your problem, not the players' problem. We, we've always seen to struggle, and I know people talk about is when we have these individuals that are slightly different, you know, toe the party line, as people call it, brown nosing and all that type of thing. When they are different, you have a maverick. We never tend to deal with them right in this country. I don't know why. That's why I have so much respect for Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, he had the likes of Cantona. And I know Gary Neville tells a story where they had won the league. They went to the, um, I don't know, to get this award from the mayor or something. They award it, tie and blazer. Cantona turns up with ripped jeans and stuff like that. So <laughs> Neville being how he is, he's gone up to Fergie. He said, boss, What's going on? And he went, young man, be quiet. Without him, you wouldn't have won the league. Um, you wouldn't have had your win bonus. So shut him out. And Gary went, oh, fair enough, hands up. And it's how you deal with those individuals. I always said this is, you know, with England, you're not so much coaching because the guys are very good. They've done well. You don't really want to change them too much. You just want them to do what they've done in county cricket. Obviously, they're playing at a high level, but you just want them to go out there and express themselves. So you don't want to coach the town out of them. It's about man management and dealing with the different individuals and bringing them together. So when they go out there, they're fighting together for the cause of, of winning and trying to be the best they can. And we just seem to struggle in this country every time we, we, we have someone who doesn't really toe the party line. Well, there are some very talented individuals in that England yeah. squad. And we're going to come on to it now um, because the first test match of the English summer gets underway at Lords this week. Um, England face New Zealand in what many are thinking will be a very tight encounter. I caught up with a former German footballer, Dietmar Hamann, who is a big cricket fan. And it's good that we're just talking about football there. So <laughs> that's made my link really easy. Um, he told me that a Black Caps win would not be an upset. In South, in Bolt, they've got some very good bowlers. And, um, you know, I think the, the conditions are probably pretty similar to New Zealand here. So I think it'll be a very interesting game. England coming off a disappointing series against the West Indies. So I think it'll be, it'll be very tight. And, um, you know, years ago, you probably wouldn't have given the, uh, the Black Caps a, a chance coming to England, um, but I think this will be pretty even and if England don't play to the best of their ability, um, I think there's a chance and I wouldn't even say it's an upset because I think New Zealand showed again in the, in the, in the, in the one day World Cup in the 50 overs uh, that they have come on 
uh, and as I said, with McCullum in his side, um, anything is possible. Well, there you go. So, how how strong is this New Zealand side? Because they were very good in the World Cup, yes. but are they? Is it going to be as tight as everyone thinks? No, I think if it was if it was a one day format, then yes, they would obviously be overall favourites. Um, and I think obviously a few have got carried away with what they've done in a one day competition. The Red Bull form is slightly different. England in England are a different prospect altogether. So it's not it's not gonna be easy. I mean, you know, having to face Broad and Anderson here is not gonna be easy for their batters. Um obviously Kane Williamson has a lot of experience over here, being at Yorkshire and stuff like that. He's a very, very good player. Ross Taylor on his day is a world class batsman and, and is very dominant. And you know, McCullum, well, it depends what you know, what McCullum comes back from the IPL. He might still have IPL in him, so the crowds could be royally entertained, but um he could easily nick off as well. So um Guttall is a you know a, a tall, strong, hard hitting opening batsman. Um, so they have some very good players. And then you've got Luke Ronke who comes in a little later. He's a dasher as well. And obviously Bolt and um, Southie are the key exponents of the of the swinging conditions. Um, you know Bolt is a very very talented left arm spit arm seamer who I, I like a lot, and he's come on leaps and bounds. Southie I liked. You know he's played a little bit of Essex, and you know I'm impressed with him. Um, and they have a few others, you know. I don't know if McCallaghan will be in their test makeup or whatever, but they have some very good bowlers. Um, so it won't be easy. It'll be a, a great challenge, and and we we see how they get on on uh, on Thursday. And for England, Adam Light is set to make his test debut. Uh, he'll be opening alongside Alistair Cook. Is that the right decision? Have we have we? I'd like to talk about something positive with England. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's played extremely well for Yorkshire last year. Um, he seems to be in the form of his life. Mm. So yeah, I agree. I think I think it is it is a good it's a good news story. I think it's nice to see a player who has you know won the league, won the championship with with Yorkshire being the being the leading run scorer and now getting his rewards playing for England. It's the right way to to get your merits. So the only only disappointment for me is that he didn't make his debut in the West mm. Indies when he when he could probably should have had his opportunity. I mean, you know, it's all very sad for Jonathan Trott, yes. but, you know, it's proven that, that, that his career wasn't going to recover from, from the ashes. But, you know, and in one sense, getting closure is probably a good thing for England, but at the expense of giving a debut in, in circumstances that may be less pressurised than uh, a pretty gaily, windy Lords <laughs> in early season yeah. England. It's, uh, you know... The other, the other problem, of course, I mean, you talk about the, the IPL guys coming across from, from India and having to adjust at the last minute. Because of England touring the Caribbean and taking Adam Blythe to carry the drinks out there, mm. he's in pretty much the same boat. He's not had the batting over here that he should have done. He should have had two, three or four innings by now in, mm. in English conditions to, to really get used to it. I mean, you know, Kane Williamson, his teammate at Yorkshire, has got a pretty much the same same boat when it comes to the first eight Lords. So you can't just say it's... a it's it's New Zealand are going to have the problems adjusting. Some mm. of the England batsmen, some of the England bowlers are going to have similar problems. And another thing with, with Lythe, um, this is slightly going a bit off piece, but his Test shirt, he's going to wear number six six six. Number of the oh, beast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's um, he says he's not superstitious, so he's going to take it. So okay. I've, been, I've been counting down for this one for about. Six or seven years. I've been looking forward to this for ages. Who's going to be the beast? Yeah, I think, I think, it's, it's, a, I think it's, it's the right sort of bloke, actually. I think, uh, yeah, but, yeah. Well, we know the headline if he gets 100, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your number, Alex? I was um, 592. I was um, just after Ashley Giles, I think he was 591. I was 592. 
would you have taken 666? Because he's been given the option not to take it, but he's right. decided to take it. Uh, I possibly might not have taken 666. Yes, I, I may have... Uh, uh, listen... Uh, a lot of when cricketers you, are you, very superstitious. Yeah, I mean, well, Alec, 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 Alec was the worst. Like he wouldn't any like thirteen. He wouldn't even Friday for he wouldn't go out. Um, if his um, room number added up to thirteen, he wouldn't have it and stuff like. He was terrible. <laughs> is this Stuart Alex? This, Stuart? Uh, this is Alex Stuart the gaffer. He he was ridiculous. Um, wouldn't step on lines and stuff like that. He he, he is proper superstitious. Is it the same in the change room? Did he have his spot? Oh, oh, well, oh, he had his spot and his stuff. As you see, Alec, now he's very well presented and it's immaculate. And he always said to me as a young man, he said, look, if you look smart, you've got half a chance. <laughs> you even look like you you look like you, you should belong. And he was very much, I mean, he went as much as what well, I always had Mick out of him saying, you know, you even iron your socks and stuff like that. But he was very, he was presented very well. Not a crease in his shirt, shoes, everything was just in line. And if you messed it up... Let me tell you, it went a wise idea, which uh, Jason Ratcliffe found out when we won a championship one year. <laughs> Decided to mess with Alex's gear. Bad idea. <laughs> although although someone, someone tweeted me the other day, the, the actual number of the beast is, is 355 not out. Oh. <laughs> very clever. Very, good. very clever. Very good. <laughs> On that note, um, we're going to have a little bit of fun now uh, with oh, the Lord's gosh. Podcast Quiz. So, just to explain the rules, if you don't know them, you're going up against each other. I'm going to name a cricketer and a non-cricketer, someone from the celebrity world. And yes. all you have to do is tell me who is older, and you win the point. Mm-hmm. Um, you okay. can go for the same person if you want to be tactical. But um, Alex, as is customary, you go first. <laughs> and Andrew, you go second. So, they should be relatively topical. Um, we'll, we'll pick the first one up here. So... Who is older, Adam Leith, who's going to make his England debut here in a few days' time, or Rihanna? Oh, God, Adam Leith is... The same age as Chris Jordan, because I wanted to say... What guy's thinking? <laughs> He's thinking, which is more than most. I will go live. I'll have to go Rihanna, because just to be different. Adam Life is indeed older. One nil. The next one. Right, Andrew, you go first on this one. Richard Hadley or Samuel L. Jackson. Right, now Richard Hadley was forty, I believe, when he played his last test in nineteen ninety, so that makes him sixty five, really? Jesus. So Samuel L. Jackson, uh, he's getting on, but is yes. he that old? I think Hadley's older. Am I, um, do I have to go against or? No, you can go. Uh, no, I agree. Been... Yeah, definitely. So, so you both think yeah. Richard Hadley's older. Samuel L. Jackson is older by three years. What? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is 66. Wow. By three years? Rich, Richard Hadley is oh, well, 63. Oh, fair enough. I screwed up my calculation. <laughs> <laughs> so there, you both draw a blank on that oh, one. Oh, damn. Alex, you to go uh, first on this okay. one. Who is older? Kevin Peterson or... Spanish World Cup winner Xabi Alonso. KP Just. I'll go Alonso. It is KP Just oh. by a year. Oh dear. A 2 0 lead. <laughs> you can pull this back, Andrew. You've got oh. two to go. 2 0 to. Well, I can't lose, thank God. 
Who is older, England's 2005 Ashes winning captain Michael Vaughan or comedian Michael McIntyre? <laughs> right. Hang on. No, so would it be? It must be forty something by now. So I presume, anyway. God, everyone's getting old. Mm. Um, I will say Michael McIntyre. Mm, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if Thorny's even forty yet. I would say. Actually, I think Michael um, McIntyre looks like he's had a pa- bit of a paper round. So I want to say Vaughny. <laughs> so you're saying Vaughn? I'm saying Vaughn is older. Vaughn's older, and you're saying Michael McIntyre. Michael Vaughn is indeed older. Denied. <laughs> 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 There's a year in it, which means, um, Alex, you've got a 3 0 lead going into the final one. Yeah. I wish Q- that was QPR's uh, <laughs> game this year. Um, we'll, we'll finish off the final one just well, for fun. Um, Alex, you to go first on this one. Who is older, Alex Tudor or Benedict Cumberbatch? Oh, God. Um. Me. You. <laughs> it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a year older than me. He's a year older than me, is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. The old git. <laughs> so, well, well done, Alex. That's a 3 0 victory. Uh, commiserations, Andrew. Yeah, well, right. I, I won last time, so I was <laughs> <laughs> Well, many thanks for both uh, coming on. Um, Alex, what have you got coming up over the next few weeks? Yeah, just um, we, uh, we've got, got some coaching. I, do a bit with Ian Salisbury um, on a Friday night, turn and bounce. Obviously, I'm the bounce. <laughs> Just about. Um, so we do it on Friday. I coach at my club, Spencer, on a Wednesday. Um, club cricket on Saturday. And Sunday, yeah, more coaching. So, so yeah, it's a bit of a busy week. I am still playing. Yeah, I still play. We've, uh, we're two for two. Um, and we did get relegated, though. Um, so I said this is my final year um, on a Saturday. Just because, you know, I've got three kids now. I've got a little boy. And just, I think, time away now is, is precious. Um, and it's a long day, Saturdays now. Um, so it's something that I think the league need to think about, actually, um, uh, is maybe, you know, those all-day games are, uh, are not the one. And I just find that a lot of guys now that have kids are tending not to play, the wives are not happy and stuff. So we need to find a way where we can just, you know, just play the limited overs. You just win or lose, and that's it. These all day games and the losing draw right. I moan about it every Sunday. <laughs> I do have a rant. It just winds me up. I just don't see the point of them. To be fair, yeah. participation. It's the it's the biggest biggest issue for English cricket. All mm. told, whether it's whether it's KP attracting people or, or finding time to play it itself, it's it's a big big issue for the game to to tackle this year. We'll do that on the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very sorry. I feel very sorry for the uh, the batsmen in the league though. Uh, turn up on a Saturday and take guard and then you're standing at the top no, of the no, no, trust me they're alright me bowling it's certainly mine now and now it's all good it's club wickets they're, they're, they're not really hard so I, I'm more like the Martin Bicknell of the league I just sort of bowl it line and length and that's it and then we have young Terrell at the other end and uh, no but it's good um, I, I still enjoy it you know we've got some good youngsters and one thing with my club is that we try to bring through our Colts so I think on Saturday we had six that had come through the ranks um, so I enjoy that because obviously other leagues and other clubs do tend to, you know, um, I can't say buy-in because they're not really meant to be doing that. But, you know, they, they get players um, from all over the place and we try to use our very good youth system, which we have, um, to bring through our kids. 
Great stuff. And Andrew, what, what have you got coming up in the next uh, week or so? Well, you're, you're here for the test match. I'm here, I'm here for the test match, which means I'll be missing the league game for the Camel and the North, oh. East, North East London League on, on, on Saturday, which is a shame. But, uh, but I'll, I'll be back for the next one. We haven't won a game yet this season. So, right. so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep plugging away on dirty, dirty turf wickets on Hackney Marshes. Wickets, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, um, well, many thanks for both coming in. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Great stuff. Well, many thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter, our handles at Home of Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.